Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience revelatory teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. We are live once again on the Paula Price Show. I'm so excited that what God is doing. And um, Dr. Price, what he's doing with with you, I would say, with you and to you, and then as a result, what you are doing to us. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a, a powerful thing to witness and to see how um, something as earth-shattering and remarkable is happening in our lifetime. Isn't it and it's it's like all the time you're thinking, oh yeah, you know, we we say that we were talking about this yesterday, biblical proportions, biblical proportions, and God was like, but um, he didn't like change time or pause and say, okay, the Bible's been canonized, now we're going to regular proportions, and then we'll distinguish between what was canonized in the Bible and what I do now. Let me tell you, I'm excited because you're right. What we're living is God's. Biblical thing. We're living in the book of Judges. Ah, yes. Do you remember we talked about this huh. in June? Oh, my, Dr. Price, you lit us up in June. Take, let me take one second here and sync you up to our speaker. Okay. Let's see here. I had some stuff to write. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you did. Did it work? Do you have some stuff on? Uh-huh. You should go I didn't hear that. I didn't hear a thing. Oh, connected. Okay. We are connected. We are connected. Okay. Now, that should have no problem. All right. And you're due stuff. Okay. So, we were talking. You said about judges. Yeah, we're in the book of judges. And, you know, what I like about Bible, you know, for those of us who believe in it and still teach the Bible, what I like about Bible is that, um, God, you know, the problem that we have with Scripture, people don't really know. Now, Scripture is given to us to show us how God thinks. I mean, flat out. It's not going to give us verbatim, 24-second, what God is doing. But it, it, we have the Holy Spirit for that. I have said over and over and over again, and I will probably say it until I go home to be with the Lord. God didn't need the Bible to save us. He did not need the Bible, as we know it, to uh, redeem us, to pull us in. He didn't even need it to, for the church. God had vessels. You know, even Peter says, according to the Scriptures, he said that, you know, holy men of God were moved by the Holy Ghost to write what they wrote. And so as we go forward in the things of God, and as we learned, we realized that the Bible was our examples. I did a study, you know, in my Bible study, I have to write those scriptures out because, you know, we get a lot of arguments about scripture all the time. But here we are. The scripture is also God's compass. It gives us a compass, and it gives us a, a uh, position, uh, a point of positioning to know what God is doing. And because so many Christians are not Christians in Christ, it is difficult for them to recognize. I read I look at some of the things that folks say on Facebook, Ashley, and I think, these people don't know God. No. I mean, they do not know this man. And they're so earthbound, they are 
I mean, and as a matter of fact, they're so scripturally unsound, they can only be earthbound because there's no soundness in their doctrine, no soundness. And so we were talking this morning, I was talking with Chief this morning, and we were talking about but people push their um, pet scriptures as canon. They push their pastor's sermons as canon. And I realized that these people are really, I mean, in trouble. And I have to say, you know, as an African-American woman, I am extraordinarily stunned by the scripture ignorance of our people. And, the, I mean, I am stunned. I thought, well, if God left this in our hands to keep, he would have been, well, he did. You know, we had our eight years of us choosing what we thought should be. But I just think it's sad to realize that people are fighting a battle on a wrong foundation, on a false foundation, on a flawed foundation. I, I see people quote, um, she was reading to me, someone, actually, I'd love to share this one with you and with our audience, but she was reading to me about a, uh, a person who said, well, Jesus, I, I, want, I don't want to get it wrong, but oh, Jesus never condemned anybody to hell. I said, and you put that in print. You know, God said, you wicked servant out of your own mouth, I will judge you. And so, and that was Jesus who said that. And I said, are you kidding me? He did a whole class on hell. It's better to enter into life, halt, enter into life with one eye, enter into life with one leg, enter, it's rather to have your whole body and soul cast in hell. I thought, these people are treating their pastor's sermons as scripture. And I thought, we are in trouble, which is why God can't rely on his church to protect his work and to keep him. Because he can, it's certainly not us. Because, we, I mean, every time we get a chance, we're going to vote the flesh. We're going to push the flesh. We're going to promote the flesh. And we're going to protect it. And so we're in that place. Um, the judges, we are in the judges' season. And, if you know, actually, we did a teaching um, that I said I made available, too. But then I make it available. I don't think I held that one from the sermon. From the summit oh. on Jephthah? Oh, yes, that was available. We did a teaching on Jephthah and why God chose Trump, who is a type of Jephthah. Because the Bible is to give us types, you know, and it's to give us uh, to give us indicators and markers of where God is going. And so, you know, we taught Jephthah. And when I taught it, I kept thinking, we're in the book of Judges where every man is doing what's right in his own eyes and the deterioration of the city. And, you know, when God raised him up, the enemy was at the gate. When God raised up Deborah, the enemy was at the gate. God's land was about to be taken over. That was the whole climate that, that God was in. That's the situation. God's world, his, his whole work, all of his nation was about to be taken over by his enemies. They'd already been overrun. And so they'd been infiltrated. They'd been invaded. They'd been subjected. They'd been made. Uh, what do you call it, subjects and put under tribute and all of those kinds of things. Oh, yeah, they had it all. And all of the enemy's people were in power, in seats of authority. They were running the government. They were running the commerce. They were running business. They were running the temple. It was, I mean, because people don't really understand what judges was like and why God did that. And so if you read the beginning of judges, I love this part. And uh, it's in my book, When God Goes Silent, among other books, and I do talk about it, I believe, at length in Before the Garden. But in the beginning of Judges, it says that there was no king. And, and it goes on down to, I think it says in Judges 17 and, and maybe a couple of other chapters, 
that there was no king in Israel, and every man did what was right in their own eyes. So we were, they, were, they, were, they had abandoned God's law. They had rejected God's rules. They had cast out God's leaders, and the enemy had put his own uh, officials in the seats, which is constant. That's, I mean, God faces that so many times. I still don't understand why he don't hit, a, hit the red button, but we bless him for being faithful. And so... <laughs> And so it says, but in the beginning, this is so powerful. Folks, I want you to lean in. I don't have a cloth. They took my cloth. I don't know where it is. But anyway, um, but in the beginning of Judges, come on, talk to me. You can do that. I like that. Yeah, amen. God thank you for making me look good. All right. <laughs> but, um, but it says an angel rebuked them because they were not under human judgment and human governance, rather, but they were under an angelic stewardship. And this angel, I'm telling you, this is so good. Oh, Lord, I got Jesus. This angel came down, and if you look at it, I believe it's in Judges 2, but the angel came down and rebuked them. And you said, an angel, now they knew it was an angel, which means angels were not just invisible, abstract light beams and stuff. This angel obviously took on complete human form and addressed the congregation and rebuked them and told them what they did wrong with God. I, I like that because, you know, when human governments fail, heaven always has the backers. Because God, the spirit rules the flesh. So God always has angelic beings and, and a whole heavenly force and a heavenly staff of beings who see to it that the earth doesn't deteriorate before the Almighty is ready. And they are not impressed. They don't care about our elections. They don't care about our political processes. They don't care about any of those things until they get ready to threaten the planet. When the planet comes under threat, heaven takes over. I don't know about you, but I think that is a very comforting thought, you know, because God's world is not a democracy. It's not even a republic. It's a monarchy. God rules as king of kings and lord of lords. Now, he allows us to use whatever political forms and structures that we can get away with, that we can work on. If that's what you all like to think, that's fine. And they, I think they do a great job because, for the most part, they're very, very unobtrusive in our world. That's why so many things, wickedness still goes on. Because, you know, if they had their say, they, they would tell you where every criminal was. They tell you where every crime was being committed. They'd be, you know, now they didn't want to do it because they're already, they're not in time. They're in God. And in God, God is everywhere present as one. So when you think about the earth and judges, and, and, and that didn't just happen again because God does that again at the end time. But right now, I want to finish up this judges thought. So God has this angel stepping up saying, you all have no government because you threw away the government of God. You have no leadership because you threw away the leadership of God. You have no law. And when you have no law, you're not only, you know, we so, we're so trained to think that without law we have freedoms and we, we're unrestricted and unencumbered, but you also have no protection. See, lawlessness guarantees liberty to the criminal and bondage to the citizen and captivity to the citizen, oppression. And so they were, you know, we have no protection. So who, whatever little, you know, king or, or, or ruler that happened to pass through the land and, and looked over and said, do I own land? Oh, 
He said, I'm going to let you fall under this person's, uh, this person's rule so that you can discern my government and my rulership from that of my adversaries and yours, because my adversaries are your adversaries. So it's unfortunate that God's adversaries are not most Christians' adversaries. God's adversaries are most Christians' advocates, and most Christians are advocating what God has said are, are his adversaries. So you can understand that there's an estrangement that happened between the Lord and his people. Uh, we have more than a difference of opinion. We have, that, that difference has called division, and people have separated themselves from their God. And so Israel had the same thing because they want that political process. People believe in some very interesting things. They want the political process. They want um, civil liberties as they defined it, even if they are delusion. They want those kinds of things. They want to believe that they can control wickedness and evil all along without any input from heaven at all. And God allows people to kind of languish in those foolish notions because he understands the end of them. He understands that humans cannot back down devils. I know we've watched so many Buffies and Supernaturals and carrying on with devils getting shot with bullets and carrying on. Come on, you can't even see them. And so, and unless you're one of those high, highly developed, you know, spiritual people who just have breached that wall or at least thinned it out, you can't see them. But you believe that. You cannot control wickedness any more than you can control a virus. You know, a virus is going to run unchecked until we, somebody who knows what they're doing comes in and, and restrains it. And, we, and for all of the viruses that we control today and all of the bacteria that we control today, that we have, even our scientists have to admit, they're very intelligent things, and they just recode themselves because they have instincts for survival too. Their survival instincts kick in, and they recode themselves after they learn how their enemy or that agent that is meant to stop them functions. These viruses, they recode themselves, or they join with other bugs and then strengthen themselves so they can survive. See, that survival instinct God put in every everything. I mean, everything has a survival instinct. And so here we are, God's people again, thinking, boy, but isn't it a lot of fun? I mean, the, 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 the gods of the other lands and the gods of the they have so much fun. I want you to read your Bible when you get an opportunity to, to dig into the, uh, especially Judges, you know, because we have Old Testament, New Testament. I want you to understand God has not have an Old and New Testament. God has one testament and two, two particular uh, uh, prescriptions for administrating it. He has the pre-Christ prescriptions, where's the law of Moses. And then he has the post-Christ, which is the law of Jesus Christ or the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. One is for death, because people only know how to die, and then one is for life, Christ who came to make us alive. So God has no testament. And prophets know that. that you know, Old and New Testament, they were written. God did not send this down as Old and New Testament. Jesus never called it. He, he could have said, well, the Old Testament, if he didn't, Jesus called it the law and the prophets. So we have the law and the prophets, which is still in effect, because the earth is still under the sway of the wicked one, and then we have the gospels, and we have the epistles and the revelation, or under the apostles. So you think, when you think about, so because the law and the prophets are under the prophets, because, you know, Moses did both, and then we have the other. So there is no Old and New Testament. That is a human invention, and that is why most churches don't teach the whole Bible. Because when you say something is old, you think it's obsolete, outdated. The law is not obsolete. 
because people are still born, born under the governance of the law until they are born again. Because it said the veil is taken away in Christ. So they're still born under the law because the law of Moses was not for a church. It was for a nation. And it was for all nations. And he wrote it. If you read Isaiah, Isaiah brings that thing out richly when he talks about all nations. As a matter of fact, there is a statement in Isaiah that it took me almost three years to understand where he said, I will punish the world and the earth. Hold on, Jesus. Wait a minute. You're going to punish the world? I'm going to punish the world and the earth. Hold on, I'm stuck. Because aren't they one and the same? Aren't they synonyms? And so we can, you know, we can talk about that another time. But here's what I want you to get. Every man was doing right in their own eyes. So that means that the angels were operating and they were imposing, literally imposing creator law on God's people. And God was now taking over the governance of his nation directly instead of through intermediaries and agents and officials. And so this angel decided how we were going to do it, and God was working with the angel. What angel is that? Remember the angel, if you go back into the book of Exodus, I'm telling you, I promise you guys we're going to have Sunday Bible study. We're going to go through this book. But do you remember for those of you who have stayed in touch with your word, do you remember that when God was, had brought his people out of Egypt and he was leading them in the wilderness, they kept really just doing stuff. They kept reverting because, you know, that was his issue. Reformation was what he was working on all along. But they kept reverting, and he was trying to reform them from, you know, Egypt into his law under Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So he, they kept reverting, and then one time they just had these, these, they kept turning to other gods. They kept going back to the rituals and, and the practices of other gods, you know. I mean, you know, they kept having the, the, the fertility rites. They kept having orgies in, in the boat. They kept drinking blood and slaughtering animals and all of those kinds of things, because that was, that's what other gods required. And so, yeah, that's in the scripture. And then we got it today on television. How dangerous is that? And so, how dated is that? I like it. And so he goes back, and so then God says, you know what? He tells to Moses, tell them, I, my first plan was to take them into the promised land personally. I wanted to lead them directly because God so loves his family. He so loves his people. He loves his creation. He loves the humans that he's made. I mean, in all of our messiness, he just so deeply loves us, and he takes whatever snatches of affection and attention and communion and fellowship he can get from us just because. And so he says, I am not going to leave the men. He said, because if I do, they're going to keep cutting up. Paula Price translation. They're going to keep cutting up, and I'm going to have to kill them anyway. So I'm going to send my angel, and I'm going to send an angel that will take them into the land. And then he says, now tell them, just because it's an angel and not me, tell them the law, my requirements are are the same. This angel is like God's call to ego. And he says, so don't, listen, I put my name in him, so don't violate because I've given him the power to do to you what I would do if I were still leading you in the way. Oh, is that powerful? And so, you know, Exodus 30, I think it's Exodus 32, 32 or, or 34, but anyway, and, and, uh, and the reason I brought it up is because that same angel was the one that was in charge of them from that moment onward when the, when the Almighty said, I cannot stay this close with you because this up close and personal, you keep violating my whole
holiness. You keep violating my law. You keep bringing other gods in my face. You keep bringing other rituals and performing other rituals on my altar. I cannot trust you. And what you're going to do is you're going to so trigger my ire that in my own self-defense, and my own preservation, I'm going to wipe you out. And people are going to think that I couldn't bring you in, which is why I killed you. So I'm not going to do this. Because I want to get you into your promised land, and I want to show all of the gods that I defeated to take you in, to bring you into my own covenant that I can fulfill my word and do what I say, despite your faithlessness, despite your fickleness, despite your ungodliness, okay, and uncleanness. He says, oh, I love you. I love you dearly, but hey, I'm going to have to distance myself. You know, and the Lord does that now. A lot of saints don't realize that God, but well, I think they do actually. I think they do realize that, that God distances himself. And so he distances himself from them, and he allowed them to be led and governed by angels and intermediaries as much as it was not what he wanted. You know, in Deuteronomy 5.29, it talks about if there was just a heart, if they had a heart to know me, you know. But he said, as yet, they don't have it. And so here we are today under the Lord Jesus Christ, the same God, yesterday, today, and forever, because it was Jesus, um, and we're still in the same place. And so we had a system where the enemy was literally overrunning the Lord's nations, every one of them, but in particular this one. And the people were so conditioned to the demonic way of life and to the satanic way of life, they didn't realize that they had become converts of the cultures of death, sin, and doom. And so our job now as a church, particularly as apostles and prophets, is to convert. Tonight I'm going to talk about what makes prophets get it wrong. You don't want to miss tonight. We're going to talk about what makes prophets get it wrong. Because I could say false prophets, but there is a spirit a spirit that will convert a prophet and pervert the prophecies simply because it's authorized to do so. So we need to find out the authority of errant prophecies and what legitimizes error. So we're going to talk about that tonight. You know, Prophet Ashley's thrilled because I never can give her, <laughs> I can't ever give her a topic when she wants it. So today, she's thrilled. She's got something to post. What you know? And the reason I brought that up is because I've been uh, talking with the Lord about this. And and uh, you know, when my daughter was, t- was talking about the election and how many prophets got it wrong. And she and you know, so she's asking me as a good mentee. So what do you think contributed to that? What caused that many prophets to get it wrong? And so we're going to talk about that tonight. Because you need to understand what, how to discern the spirit a prophet is walking in. And understanding is that that spirit doesn't come and go at the prophet's will. You're going to find out tonight what it means to say this is the word of the Lord or this is not. And you're going to be able to hear beneath. I asked God for a, a, a particular gift, I don't know, maybe 20 years ago. And I said, God, I want to hear with this ear, and I want to hear with the other ear. And there's an ear that God will give you if you want to hear it, if you want to use it. And so 
I have always been able to, and, and my team can tell you, I can always tell you, oh, no, this person's only going to last three years, but this one's only going to last five. I'm telling you, this person, I'm telling you, this is not God. And I mean, they have crowds, folks falling in the road. They're telling you how many hairs on your head. I mean, we're going through. And I'm saying, I don't care. And I'm going to tell you how to protect yourself from errant prophets and errant prophecies. Because that's important. How do prophets get it wrong? Because you have to recognize what happened. And you have to recognize it in today's world uh, and uh, using today's language. And I believe, I think, and you all can discuss it, but I think by virtue of the work that I've done in this area, I am very qualified as the author of the Prophet's Dictionary and the author of the Prophet Handbook, and the creator of the Prophetic Assessment Questionnaire, I believe I'm qualified to show you how to know. Do you know we have a section, Ashley, talking about where we are and all of that. Don't we have a section in our assessment results called Spiritual Purity? How many people miss that one? Enough. Far too many. Yes. Especially prophets. We have another one called spiritual wisdom and action. Another one. How about this? Authority of Scripture. You know, you must be pretty, one would have to be pretty um, astute to develop an assessment that can tap into people's flaws in those areas. And you, go ahead, you can speak because you are one of the advisors, and that's why I'm mentioning it. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's shocking for people to see themselves in writing. It's also very settling. Um, sometimes uh, people can get afraid, oh, my goodness, this is the idea. But when they jump in and take it, uh, they, they're like, oh, my goodness, I just had a post-assessment advisement earlier this week, and the person on the line said, it, this is tripping me out. <laughs> I just see myself in writing, mm-hmm. going through the definitions, your greatest character strength, your greatest weakness, who you are, your susceptibilities, all those things. Uh, yes, thank you for putting up that website, drpaulaaprice.com. They're asking where. If you go to www.drpaulaaprice.com, on the left-hand side there are a series of tabs, and there's one that says take an assessment. Mm-hmm. That's the one you want to click on to go to our assessment website. And um, it, it is just how over and over. And what's interesting is people want to know. They do. They want to know. Now that the heyday of error is over. <laughs> And was it a heyday or what? The consequences have slapped everybody in their life, and if 20 years later they're no farther in their career, they don't have uh, the ministry that they thought, things are sham, or whatever. Exactly. They're ready to take an assessment and see, okay, what is really going on? Who did God make me to be? Where should I be? At what level am I ready? Exactly. Right now. Exactly. Well, think about this, you know, and, and the reason that I brought that up is because when you can't pick a leader, then you cannot have a quality organization or leadership institution. Yeah. And you can't pick leaders on doctrine and dogma and sermons and theology alone. Those are tools and resources of leadership. They are not instruments of selection. So they may be a part of the process. And so many of your leaders, many of these prophets, they were validated on the function of the office, which can be imitated. Mm. They were never 
accredited on their own makeup or their readiness. Well, they were told that's not possible. Now, you can measure everybody else's readiness with their invisible gifts, and you cannot see until they demonstrate. Thank you. We need to know, <laughs> all right? You take it by faith that somebody's a singer until they open up their mouth, someone says they're a doctor, mm-hmm. until they're called into action, and then you want to know at what level did you graduate in your class. Right now, the assessments, I believe, they're on sale, right? So yes. 52, 50 or Yeah, to the end of, uh, end of February, is oh, that right? I think so. Mm-hmm. So they're on sale, and, and, and I fell into this quite by accident because those categories, spiritual purity, um, um, spiritual wisdom in action, authority of scripture, you know, we have 22 particular categories that we assess you on. And we, also, we don't just say got it or gone. We say low, medium, or high priority. Well, you find out how susceptible you are mm-hmm. to popular doctrine. Yeah. Church tradition. I mean, there, there's a whole lot of things in there that have nothing to do with how long you can stand up and prophesy to people. Or how long you've been able to preach or how many people fall at your feet. As a matter of fact, the assessment does not care about your audience. It cares about what they're getting. See, it doesn't care about your audience because audiences, especially body of Christ, they are so untrained to be discriminating, to be, you know, uh, evaluative, evaluative that, it, you know, they can't do it. And then we have a whole program, but I was thinking about that, you know, even um, I think we're, we're targeting having the, uh, the prophetic assessment back online by March or April. You know, we're working in that to get, because every so often, you know, you got to make sure it's current. And so we're, we're, we're planning that. But the MAQ still tells you who you are, and it tells you where you will fall. And I've had people who fought us. I've had people who yelled, walked away, put my name out as evil, whatever. And you know what? Three years later, four years later, exactly where that assessment said they would fall is where they fell. It talks about how you handle yourself ministerially under stress and duress and what your leaders can expect of you when they put too much pressure on you. It gives you a ratio. And it's so interesting because I remember a man saying to me, one of the apostles that came to evaluate it when, we, when he was here, and he said, but how can you get a, a computer to prophesy? <laughs> I was like, only Jesus, only Jesus. Well, you have done for ministry what other arenas have done in their arena. Mm-hmm. When you enter into the military, especially when you go into high levels, you take they they give them psychology exams and, and all kind of tests mm-hmm. to press them, squeeze them, and push them, and all the different dynamics to see how they will and to project mm-hmm. how they will perform or where they will fall down. And so I continue. Well, you were just this week amazed somebody I know. You said, now how can these things nail you? And they do. And the beautiful part is that there are no two results. And we also have, a, 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 which leaders would appreciate if they ever got on board with it, we have the grading process, grade one to grade five. Yeah. And then we have the phases. What phase of, of readiness are they in at any particular time? And so, I, uh, you know, I think about that, and I think that the church is ready to protect itself. That is why, and the kingdom of God is ready to protect itself and to get the best. You know, something about Christianity over the last 25, 30 years has taught us that Jesus Christ does not deserve the best. Something said that we give God our least, 
and we give the world our best. It's a Malachi issue where the priests were giving Yahweh the worst animals, the blind ones, the lame ones, the maimed ones, the fertile ones, I mean the sterile ones, and they kept the best for the marketplace. And so they took the best of God's um, animals and produce to the marketplace, and they gave God trash, rotten food, rotten fruit, stuff that had been stored and whatever the animals wouldn't even eat. And that is the Malachi spirit we're in today, you know, where God's messenger has got to rise up and say, I know that you've been born into this because a lot of people have not decided to do this of their own accord. I want to uh, let me go on record to say many of you were born into this type of Christianity. Just like all of those people who were born into Babylonian exile, they only heard about a time where Yahweh did all of this and Yahweh did all of that. And, the, you know, the Lord did these great things. They only heard of a time that there was a priesthood that was clean and righteous and holy and that God drained God's blessings on the land. They only heard of it because now they're in exile, and these are old stories. And for a lot of you Christians, what we're saying today sound like old stories and legends that no longer apply because you were born into abusing God. You were born into the God-abused Christianity, and you abused him. You abused Christ because that's how you were trained. You didn't know any better, and that's what I like about where I am. I hope this is speaking to somebody. Some of you were little kids before your church turned on Jesus Christ, and when you were little, it was wonderful, and you remember feeling the glow of God and the majesty of the Holy Spirit and people loving God and praise and worship that was real, and then all of a sudden, your pastor went through and couldn't take the fire yeah. and fired God instead and took on another Christ. And so, and you grew up, and then all of a sudden, things relaxed. You remember when women dressed modestly for church, and we went from modestly to what we're wearing today. And to and, and, and why? Because you're in exile. The church is in exile. Come on, son. In Babylonian exile. And we got to get you back out of Babylonian exile. We've got to get you out from the Babylonians, Persians, you know, the Medo-Persians, and on we go. But you don't know that. So, you know, many of these people fighting on Facebook, Ashley, they're fighting the religion they know. They don't have a clue that they were born into the wrong Christ, the wrong Christianity. They were born, birthed into that. That's why they're not saved. It's not that they didn't trans- they they set out to be saved. They set out to be born again. They set out for a, a real Jesus. They just landed in the wrong place. It's kind of like going to a a, a, a a peddler on the street. You know, in New York, we got all these little street markets and kind. Of, but you're going to all of these street stands thinking you got a real purse, thinking you got a real Louis Vuitton. You know, you got a real Dolce Gabbana. You got a real, you know. A, per, a Chanel purse, and only for somebody who has the real one to say, you know, that's fake, right? You you cherished it like it was real. You put it in the bag every night like it was real. You polished it. You only brought it out for special occasions. You let everybody else see it who didn't know any better, and they, they agreed with you that it was real. Huh. Just like back then. <laughs> yeah, because they had one too. And then you meet the person with the real Chanel bag. And they can find all of the little telltale signs that you didn't know exist, let alone couldn't acknowledge. And they found them and they said, let me show you why that's not real. And I'm telling you, 
the, what you had was so authentic looking, and it was so authentic feeling, and it just made you feel really great, and you knew you had a high-end bag, and all you knew is that you got a high-end bag for a, burger, for a bargain. And your bargain began to prove itself for what it was. Uh, ultimately, you realized to your embarrassment, because you're strutting it as if it's the real real bag, the real article, the genuine article, and you're strutting it like that, and you're embarrassed because now in front of everybody, you realize that not only did you have a knockoff, but you didn't know it. And that's Christianity today, 21st century. But you the knockoff Christian. The knockoff Christian. And it's for sale in our e-store. So you should go to my e-store if you want to do it to test your own Christianity. Why do we have assessments? So we can test the authenticity of what we call our destiny and purpose in Christ. So we can verify. Because life relies on verifiers, evaluators, assessors, and verifiers. These are normal tools of authenticity and genuineness in life. And you should know this. It's your soul on the line. Because if you have a knockoff Christianity, you're going to have a knockoff Christ come for you when you die. And that Christ has no access to God's world. And you're going to sit there, looking over there at all the things, having a great time saying, but Jesus, I tried to do it right. And he's going to say, you did it. Because when he came to you, and he's going to show you all your arrogance on Facebook, and he's going to show you all your arrogance and your, with the preachers, with the true preachers and the true messengers, he's going to show you how you did everything under the sun to do it your way and to have it your way, and you're going to have to live with the fact that you didn't care about authenticity, you didn't care about genuineness, you didn't care about the true Christ, and you convinced yourself that the one you had is the only one, even though he was bearing fruits of God's enemy. This is very important. And a lot, of, a lot of Christians don't want to hear it, but it's up to those of you who are real to make sure that your people, that first of all, you as a leader, are in the right Jesus Christ. I know we, we are so unaccustomed to think about that. We are, I mean, really, it's hard. Because in your mind, there's only one Jesus. No, you're right. There's only one Jesus, but he has millions and millions of imposters. Because being Jesus is still cool. Being Jesus is still powerful. If the people can't be him, then they want to bash him. But trust me, if they could get away with making folk believe they are Jesus Christ, they'll choose being over bashing any day. And so here we are today, 21st century, and we've got Christians who don't know what Christ is in. And anything coming up saying, I'm Jesus, I'm Jesus, you're taking it. And the more the Jesus you serve lets you stay the way you are, the more you should question that because you can't go into another country without changing. You go to another job, you've got to change. There are a lot, of, there are very few places in life that you can move from one point to another, move from under one thing into another, and not have to change. The fact that you are with a Jesus that still understands your fornication should scare you. Uh, you're with the Jesus who still understands your adultery, who is encouraging you to remain an adulterer, that should scare you. The fact that you are serving a homosexual Jesus, that should scare you because they don't have sex in heaven. I don't know how you're going to live out that choice forever. The fact that you are serving a Jesus of abortion should scare you because God cursed everything that causes you to catch your fruit before the time. That's a curse. And see, a lot of 
times your trials and tribulations have nothing whatever to do with the devil. They have everything to do with the Christ you chose. Because God is still righteous. That angel still held Israel to God's law and God's governance, even though they refused to put a leader over them. That angel still said, yeah, but we, we can get fired. We're still on. You know, we're still doing our job. We're still. Anybody here, are they following me? Oh, yes. How? Oh, yeah, they are with you all the way. Because you have no idea whether or not, I mean, many of us, you know, you watch these preachers and you love them. Don't you just love them? They slick, they dress sharp, they got glittery clothes and all of that kind of stuff. You got to put on glit when the glory's gone. Because glory, glit takes over the glory. Because trust me, when the real glory of God is on you, anybody going to see your glit. They're going to talk about, wow, but there's a light coming out from you. There's a radiance from you. There's a power from you. You know, I always talk about uh, my girls, and I say this, huh, holy Jesus, no God, with the, with the greatest song. People always say, well, you know, you just have such wonderful women. They're so pretty, whatever. And I said, no, nah, that's holiness. Y'all just not used to seeing holiness. Because you, but, but people recognize it when they encounter it. Because so many people are walking under the spirit of this world that you don't see holiness like you used to. The cleanness of the face, the purity of the eyes. And so I say to you, you have your, you like these ministers because you like all the artificial. See, you can't, you know, the reason that people have that smoke machines in church is because the glory won't come. The Holy Ghost is gone. So you need to, you know, let me give you some fake smoke because I can't produce. There's nothing in my relationship with God that's going to give me real smoke. The reason that we have to have strobe lights and service is because the glory of God, the light of God is gone. Because when God shows up, God doesn't need anybody to do his job for him. And he certainly doesn't need a machine. So I want to tell you, we do the assessment based on that. But I also want you to know, God could care less about humans having issues with his choices and his decisions. He could care less, as we've seen. When his planet is under threat and the enemy is threatening to take, threatening to take out his planet or take out his people, God will act, he says, it, I will act for my own namesake. So this is not about God and politics. It is not about a man. It's not about a, a, a political view. It's none of those things. This is about God saying, I know you all are too blind to see that tomorrow you would be gone. So I'm just going to preserve you and save you today, expecting that you'll never know how close you came to annihilation how close you came to obliteration. That is how God acts, and only the mature can do it. You know, the everyday citizen is like, could you just give me my job, give me my money, give me my house? In other words, could you just give me my... But the people who understand that nothing is free and that everything is always at risk, these people think differently. And if you're going to read those posts and you're going to to uh, look at, follow this theory or that thought, you need to do it from the premise of who we really are. And we are the, the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And when the salt loses its savor, then guess what? The salt term must come and take over the job. And God did. And he did it with those angels. And I've been telling you, because I keep telling them, because I want you to know that I know for a fact heaven's on the ground. I want you to know heaven on the ground 
heaven is in the planet, and they're not trusting humans to do anything for them except be led by the spiritual um, mandate of God's eternal forces. I'm telling you, and here I prophesy to you, I'm telling you today, I know we're going to move off in a minute, but I'm going to prophesy to you. Here I prophesy to you that you are about to see things happen in this earth realm that you never dreamed. You're going to see the authority of the sovereignty of God, the sovereign King Jesus, the Davidic side of Jesus Christ is going to exercise the will of God according to their wisdom and according to their delight. You are going to feel oppressed. If you have been God's enemy and if you have voted for his adversary, you're going to feel oppressed. You're going to feel like you can't cut a break. You're going to feel like you can't get a breakthrough. You're going to feel like heaven is on you. You're going to, this is what you're going to say. Boy, somebody up there must have a problem with me. I must have crossed somebody up there because you're going to find out because God has bound up the enemy. God has literally gagged him, and he has taken his authority. And because he's taken his authority, he cannot give you a blessing for, for your cursing God. You will no longer get good for the evil you do. You will no longer be blessed for your error. You will no longer be blessed in your sins for a season. However long that season lasts, uh, God is going to exalt his righteousness. God is going to lift up and exalt his true children, his true messengers. I know that people are prophesying left and right that Christianity is going through. If God was going to do that, he would have let Hillary be in the White House. He kept her out because she was ready to take out Christians, and she was ready to take out Christianity because that's the agenda, and it's not something that I made up. It's what's in print. It is in print. You need to go on there and read about world citizenship, and you need to read the site called World Service Authority because those sites are telling you what God was protecting us from. And if you want to put your mouth out there against the Lord Jesus Christ, at least be informed. At least know what he's protecting and defending. But I continue to prophesy to you that there are those of you who couldn't get a break. There are musicians that couldn't get a break. You wanted to sing the sweet songs of Zion, and they wanted you to sing the raunchy songs of but now you're going to get your day. I promise you, you will get your day. Pull your music out and write your lyrics. Pull your band together because God has changed the people in the high places. He's cast the devil out of the high places. Why do you think they're standing in the street? Because they're no longer in those seats. And I'm telling you that God says, don't you let anybody lie to you. God will not turn around and throw his people to the wolves after he's pulled them out. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Satan wants to prophesy so you continue to fear your Christianity, so you think God is not able. God did not put this man in the seat of power talking about Bibles and crosses and Jesus Christ for his people to be slaughtered. He put a, de a defender of the faith in there. He put a protection and a guardian in there. I'm telling you, if ever you were going to get your destiny filled in the Lord, if ever you were going to get your righteousness rewarded, if ever the holiness is what God was going to be exalted, this is a time, because this is a Josiah moment. You know, Josiah found the book of the law in the rubble of sin in the house of God that was dilapidated. Now, we don't even know where they were going to church, because the book of the law was in the house of God, and it was dilapidated. 
and he sent his official, his political officials in there to clean it up because he said, hey, I had a visitation from God. I got to restore to God's house. I got to restore God's worship. I got to restore the land. And he sent that. Come on, somebody, read Josiah. He said he sent them in there, and they cleaned up. And as they were clearing out the garbage from the neglect and from the abuse and, and all of that, it became a junk room. The house of God became a junk room, a storage for junk and rummage. They cleaned it out. And you know they found they found the, the book of God. And you know what? They took it back to the king. And here's what happened. I love the word of God. And, he, and they took it back to the king. And the king began to read, and he began to understand why his nation was under judgment. He began to read that book of the law, and he began to understand why the ground wasn't yielding its in. Why people were unemployed, why crime was running rampant, why jobs could not be made, why harvest couldn't be sold, why the enemy kept taking out God's people, and all of those things. And he said, oh, my God, we have committed a horrible sin against the God of our land. And so he goes, and he said, find me somebody who can interpret. I can read it, but find somebody who can interpret what I just read. How do I know? And what did he do? He didn't go out there to get the prophet on television. He didn't go out there to get the prophet in the satellite. He didn't even go out there to get the prophet who had the big ministry on the corner. He went to somebody called Phil Halter, and her name meant weasel. And he went to a woman who had a prophetic college underground. She And why were they underground? Because two prophets were not being respected, so he went to Halter underground. I can preach this thing. And when he went to her, she said, go tell him who sent you to me. And I want you to know, see, they can talk all that crazy they want, but I'm telling you, she, the king knew where she was. He was the king of the land, and he said, I don't want a false interpretation. I don't want a misinterpretation. I don't want a private interpretation. I want somebody who can give me the mind of God on this scroll because I am raised up to save this land, and I need to know how to get started. And this woman, this prophet, called her, H-U-L-D-A-H, because you probably never heard of her, but she was a prophet that the royals knew to go to when it was time for the truth and the facts to be revealed. And she read that document, and she prophesied. Now, can you imagine? So don't think the people in power don't know where the truth is. They know where it is. The ones that don't want it know where to lock it down, and the ones who want it know where to unlock it. I'm telling you, I prophesied to you, and I can give you more examples like that, but I prophesied to you. Our day has come. Don't miss your day, and don't find yourself ill-equipped, unprepared, and still whining. And by all means, you need to stop being an advocate of God's adversary because when he hits his adversary, you're going to get it. Not because God is going to choose you out. That might be what he does. But because when he slapped the devil that you've been serving, it will reverberate on you. So when he's come after errant doctrine, he's got to come after you. Only because you're the voice and the vessel is using. When he's coming after lying prophecies and lying vanities, you have got to be hit because that's who is using. You are giving physical manifestation, physical expression to those vile spirits. And God's got to go after the spirit. And when he does, everything attached to it is going to take blows. That's the way it works in God's world. Thus says the Holy Ghost. It was important for Moses to say who was on the Lord's side because he said judgment has already gone out from God. Get away from what God is judging. Who was on the Lord's side? 
He said, oh, he said, because come, he said, and this is what Moses said, say to the cup, come unto me. He said, who is the Lord that come unto me? Because judgment has already gone out from God. And see, the people who really know God knows that God's no joke. He cannot let his word fall to the ground unfulfilled. He cannot condone sin. He cannot do it. But they also know that when judgment goes out, just like war, even the innocent in the war zone are at risk and can die because they were in the war zone. And when you're in the judgment zone of God, you've got to make sure that you believe what you believe enough to take the hit. So I prophesy to you, Christianity is not going under, it's going over. It is not because he's given us a reprieve. And I'm going to keep saying it as one who sits in his faith every day. He's given us a reprieve. You need to be ready for promotions. You need to be ready for God to put the godly in power and the righteous in seat. I prophesied this over years and years ago. No, God's going to put the righteous in power. Did I know how? Absolutely not. I wish I could tell you that I went that deep. And I did know eight years ago about Donald Trump. That I did know. But not that what that he would do all of this. I didn't know any of that. And so I will tell you that right now we have a, a, a window. God is calling for the righteous. You know, it's so funny. Ashley and I had a joke when she was saying all these celebrities said that they weren't coming to inauguration. I thought, so they still don't get it. He doesn't care. He said, I, 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 I'm not even here to promote you. I'm not here to protect you other than as an American citizen. I'm not here to exalt you. I am here because I already told God what I'm going to do. And I was like, so you all still didn't get it. Trust me, they didn't ride in the streets because they were still in their seats. They ride in the streets because they were out of them. Can we give God some word? You just want to say something? Amen, that's true. As long as they were in there, you can tell that these people are mad because God is back in town. I mean, the vile, hateful things that people are saying. But i tell you what, all these things, people, they're going to feel it. And the bottom line, oh, yeah. because too many people put him in office, too many Christians in this country to not realize their power, because he is going to see to it that Christians know their power. Exactly. And that is something. And are free to live it. Yes, and that is something that we have not seen in the president period. Mm-hmm. Pick one. None. Anyone. To say, but there are so many Christians. Why don't you all? How are you letting this happen to yourselves? You are so huge in number, mm-hmm. and we're going to change that. Exactly. It's all these people, like you said, are present. What you don't think about, there's really no need to riot if all the people you have are sitting in seats making your agenda happen. Well, if Hillary had won, we wouldn't have riots. Of course not. But, you know, I told God, I said, God, this is just me. I'm an American citizen. I'm under the free speech speech thing that everybody thinks we shouldn't have. But you know what I do think? I think that America should make all those groups that taught those cities pay for their repair because that's going to make them think twice about because there's no those cities should not suffer and they should not have their budgets destroyed because people want to come in and tear it up i think that once that once they nail these people as as terrorists because that's a terrorist act to pay somebody in tampa city that's a crime mm-hmm. that's a crime i mean and i understand i mean to me and i told god i said honey if anything they said, what do you, I would definitely say all of you all, whatever, whatever, all of those groups that said we got together, they should all get the bill. Then all of you all should get the bill to put these cities back together. Because you know what? When we go into a country, we went into Iraq, we tore it up, and what did we have to do? We had to repair it. Yes. Didn't we? Yes. We had to go back in there and fix it up. These people who are, because that wasn't a peaceful demonstration. 
That wasn't peaceful. You're changing, chasing a government, a governor into an alley. That's not peaceful. So I just want you, to me, I do. I said I believe every one of those organizations should get the bill for repairing these, this damage they've done to our city, every one of them. And I don't care if they have to attach their funds to do it. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, we've come so far away mm-hmm. from the actual job of a president that we don't recognize, especially my generation, people younger than me, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit older, early 40s and, and younger, do not, so a lot of them don't quite get what the president's job is. Mm-hmm. Because we have had so much entertainment, so much for the people, so much whatever, mm-hmm. that we haven't done our history to go back and see, first of all, what it took to establish and secure this country and why we have these laws in the first place. Oh, they don't even care about them. We're, we're so soft, especially Christians, so soft. And, and what we just need to, what, sit down and be nice and talk to somebody and understand, and a terrorist has blown three buildings off of the map. Mm-hmm. And hundreds of people, but we should be understanding, and we should. So we don't even understand the commander in chief's job. I'm telling you, which is also why a lot of people have a problem because they don't understand. Which they can't get past some of these basic human issues that uh, we, as everyday citizens or soft-hearted Christians, might believe we should do for an individual that doesn't play out in the arena of protection. No. Well, and think about it, what it takes to redeem a soul and what it takes to redeem a land, two sets of rules, what it takes to, for, to, to save a soul and save a land, two different things. Because you understand, God had one rule for saving people to put in his church, but he had a whole other set of rules for saving his kingdom. As a matter of fact, God still got a whole different set of rules yeah. for saving his kingdom and something different for the church. We act like Christianity is all about the congregations that meet every Sunday. That's not Christianity. Hallelujah. That's that's worship service. Yes. Okay, okay, but that's not service to the Lord. That's worship service. So worship service versus kingdom or official service for kingdom, two different things. But we need to do that. My prayer is that the leaders that God is freeing and raising up today will go back. I think pastors ought to tell them to stand up and have a whole four-week program on this is what the Constitution means, this is what the president means, this is what a president's job really is. You know, if you have a Bible college or a university or anything, and you are Christian, you need to go and make sure your people can explain this thing. That's not the job of a president. That's not the job of a vice president. That's not the job of a senator. This is the job. Because even half of them forgot their job. That's how come we got this mess, because they forgot their job. Uh, Well, I was told you yesterday when President Trump was dealing with the border and everything like that, and he said, to the shock of many Americans, I'm not writing any new laws. Mm-hmm. We are actually empowering you to do the laws we have on the phone. That already exist. People are upraised, outraged, and in an uproar mm-hmm. because of the media, because of the slander, because of whatever, because we are ignorant Americans. Mm-hmm. And we don't even know the laws that we already have on our own book that mm-hmm. our previous administration bound everybody's hands in these areas from doing because he was letting on his friends in. Well, when you want a revolution, you have to get people to want to want to destroy legitimacy and replace it with liberty, individual liberty. And that's what happened to us. Legitimacy was overtaken by a liberty. And liberty is a personified thing. That attacks your emotions. Legitimacy hits your character. And it hits your, duty, your sense of duty and response. 
responsibility. Well, we wanted to eliminate duty and responsibility, so we did what we did was, you know, you had universities, you had colleges, you had um, jobs, you had seminars, you had uh, uh, activists, all of that, you know, literally trumpeting liberty in place of legitimacy, which is why lawlessness can abound. Because people began to say, I don't care about legitimate. I don't just care about my rights. I just care about my liberty. I just care about my benefits. I just, they don't care about that. So now duty and responsibility is to, has turned from preserving the land and, and, and protecting what God has given us to exercising our rights and demanding our rights, even if it means destruction. As a matter of fact, when you cause liberty to take preeminence over legitimacy, you will always have destruction. And that's what we have, rioting in the streets and destruction. Hallelujah. So any other thoughts you have before we go on? Because I'm just having a blast today. But, you know, I just wanted to say, you know, God's kingdom, you said the most high rules in the kingdom of men, and he gives it to whomever he wills. He sets over his kingdom the basis of the lowest, most despised of humans, and then makes them rulers of the world. Hallelujah. So you can give me some of your thoughts and share some of our, our, our comments there. I'd love to hear them. I get it. So somebody said they're trying to sneak a peek at work. <laughs> <laughs> well, going back to the beginning when you said the Bible is God's compass. Mm-hmm. We say so many things about the Word of God, mm-hmm. everything but the truth. And it's some convinced most of because of bad teaching. Mm-hmm. But the Bible being God's compass just refocuses and resets uh, our perspective, mm-hmm. even of what you're supposed to get out of the Word of God. Mm-hmm. When you realize it is his compass, it's his guide, it's letting you know. Compass, clock, mm-hmm. calendar. Yeah, see, I was going to say that. I'm just throwing that. <laughs> so the three C's of the Bible purpose is in three C's. Yeah. Compass, clock, calendar. Compass, clock, calendar. Uh, first, I want to say, if you are listening on Blog Talk Radio, go ahead and press that number one to get into the queue if you have not already, to give us your feedback. Get in line for prayer, prophecy, a word from God, and, and, and all kinds of wonderful things like that. So press that one if you want the opportunity to connect with Dr. Christ. Okay. Um, just breaking down the word today. I love it. I just love how you do that. And then going into the assessment, um, some of your people are saying, teach today. And that Isaiah piece that you bounced off of, they said she left us at a cliffhanger. <laughs> we recognized it. Someone else said, uh, the volcano has erupted today. That's before you prophesied, bless God. Oh, my goodness. And come on here. You're walking heavy. Um, but also we talk about you got to put on glitz when the glory is gone. And you can tell a church with seasoned, mature saints. Because they don't need the gimmicks. They don't need the, all the aesthetics. I'm not talking about an ugly, you know, facility. Let me talk about that at all. We're, not, talk, we're not talking about not having technology because we are the tech people yeah, we check in it. this ministry. But staying out of the entertainment realm or mm-hmm. keeping it where it belongs. We're going to have a concert. We're going to bring something in. We're going to do whatever versus your weekly worship with the Lord mm-hmm. and your offering that you're bringing to him. I thought that was a really great piece to hit on. So it also said that they voted for Trump, but you cleared up some concerns that they had. Amen. Like you said, God was in that voting booth, and a lot of people voted for him, but they really weren't sure why, mm-hmm. but they kind of knew, but not really. And um, so you just cleared up a lot of issues because 
We have to be good at defending God's choice. Exactly. We're used to defending our choice. Well, I did this because, and I, but because so many people don't know, which is why you are doing apostolic Christians, discipling apostolic Christians mm-hmm. to teach us how to defend God's, one, to recognize God's choice, mm-hmm. and then to defend God's choice. And uh, to one point, somebody say, because they wanted you to hit that desk when you're prophesied, so forget it, I'm going to hit my own desk. <laughs> oh, my God, you hit it and I think my favorite statement that you said today was get away from what God is judging. Mm-hmm. That's the one. That's the one. Mm-hmm. But, of course, you need to recognize. They got, well, if God is judging abortion, then you need to probably not to keep your job at the abortion clinic. Well, That's probably not going to work. I saw the most ridiculous, and I dare say stupid statement on social media ever about abortion. I'm not saying that I believe that uh, babies should be killed. I'm just saying that women have the right to choose. What? Here's where I'm at. What? Ask me where I'm at. Come where on. Are uh, you, you have a right to choose. You got three options before you go to abortion. For number one, you got abstinence. There's one. Okay? So that's number one. Right to choose. Number two, you've got birth control. Right. Number three, you got condoms. Number four, you got the morning after pill. So you've got a long way to go. By the time a woman gets to abortion, her choice has been to get pregnant to kill something. Woo! You know, this is not where we were 25, even, for, even when Roe v. Wade first came out. Yeah, when you had to tell maybe. Okay? This is not that. These were, you, they got all kinds of birth controls, all kinds of whatever. And you know, half of these women, I mean, to me, to have one abortion, I think it's tragic. I understand it. I do. But to have four and five and six, Right. Then you've made abortion your birth control method. Yes. And that's what we're talking about. So I'm ta- and as far as right to choose, the number cho- number one choice you need is not to not to have sex. Well, you can't choose to drown your puppy <laughs> in a bucket of water and not catch you brought it home. Yeah, it, it, stranger on the street. This, this is so crazy. This is how you know the devil is mm. behind this. Because we don't let you kill anything else. You rip a butterfly's wings off, and you're deemed inhumane. Okay, thank you. Thank you. That's just inhumane. How can you possibly do that? And these are the same people that are fighting for the women's rights to kill their children. But think about, you know, that's why you hear A woman has a right to slaughter a baby. Right. Now, think about it. Come and say it. A woman has the legal right to slaughter a baby. Even if he's half in and half out of her body, she can slaughter a baby. If he comes out or she comes out whole, she has a right to walk away. The abortionist has the right, the legal right, to let this viable baby lay in a room and suffer and die in its own blood. Now, I don't care what you say. I'm telling you, I don't care. I do have concerns about rape and incest, but I think a lot of that is difficult to prove. Now, unless you're a little kid, I can go with little kids. I'm all there. I can go with that. Now, I don't believe in abortion under any conditions, but there is a what you would call a mitigating point that you can almost say, come on, God, can we just have mercy? 
you know, or somebody who's trapped in sex trafficking and all of those. Those are really mitigating points. And so I don't agree with it under any condition when I say personally agree. But I can also see as a legislator, though, the difficulty they have with real issues. You know, because then it becomes a remedy, a medical procedure, because of an atrocity that's been done on their body. But I'm going to need you to not have a date plate talking about, oh, wow, I thought it was going to be, like, I, well, I said stop. Come on, people. Or you're going to turn around and you're going to have, you decide to go and have sex in the bathroom, bathroom downstairs, under the chair and carrying on, and then you decide the next thing you're going to do is add insult to injury or evil to cruelty or cruelty to evil. And kill the kids because they. And let me tell you something. They come a long way because one thing about being older, you know, in the beginning it didn't have, it wasn't a real baby. Then we went down to it was a tadpole. Okay, so then we went from a tadpole. Well, it doesn't feel anything. Okay, but it doesn't have a heartbeat. See, because they've come down to now what it really was about, just slaughtering kids for a purpose that we yet as humanity to see in action. Because there's a purpose. There is a bigger purpose beyond abortion than a woman's right. I promise you there is. And one day, God's going to expose that. Hallelujah. How are we doing? Any, mother com- any more comments before we go on? I love my Periscope comments. I get a chance to do this on Thursday. I can't do it any other time. Oh, my goodness. Yes, love it. Amen. Well, flying through. Some paragraphs being written here. We got paragraphs. Flying by incredible. I'm telling you. And I do. I'm not one of those people who doesn't understand the whole race issue if that was the case. But if it was just about race and if it was just about incest or something like that, if it was just that, we would not have the – it wouldn't even be viable. It wouldn't be economically, uh, you know, uh, beneficial to have it at all other than it would be protective but not economic. The fact that it has become a booming industry tells me that it is more than those essential mitigating factors that these people are using abortion as birth control. And that, to me, uh, life should die. And as I said before, and I say it again, abortion kills generations. And if you're one of those women who only had one viable egg in your body to produce a child and you abort it, it's over. You have cut off your life. If you are a man who only had one sperm and that sperm is killed, your line is over. It is not just a matter of that baby that's left on the table that's flushed down the toilet or put in a glove, whatever we do, but it is also your entire genetic tree is over because ultimately an an abortion culture will extinguish a population. That's why God keeps sending so many other uh, other people and so many other nationalities in because he knows, hey, I got to keep this country going. All right. Well, are you done? Because I'm done. I am. Prophet Adia, hi, guys. Can you hear me? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, my goodness. What a powerful exhortation today and and training. Um, Of course, you know, on board with some of the comments that Prophet Ashley has already made, um, and that is our understanding of the Christ that we are serving. Um, Through all of this uh, election rigmarole, I think that that is the most disheartening thing, is that we as Christians, we just can't seem to come to any any point of agreement about what God is really doing. And that lets you know that there's, you know, a real devil in the midst of that. And I think that you you hit that nail on the head today. You know, all of that false, all of those false Christ, and even the false spirit of Christ, and as we've been talking amongst ourselves as the prophets, that false spirit of love that, that is presenting itself as Christ, 
also got in the way as well. And that that we saw much earlier in 2016 when the the passing of gay marriage happened and everybody worshiping love, literally worshiping quote unquote love, and Christians buying into that being something that was God or something that uh, Christ was initiating. So uh, you know it was all coming to a head when we got to the elections and we could not agree as Christians about what was God and what wasn't God. I'm thankful for a voice like yours to bring clarity. You know, I think what's interesting about you, Dr. Price, is that even when people don't necessarily agree with your viewpoints on things, the one thing that people cannot get around is the biblical accuracy and how uh, on point you are with the word of God, the pure word of God, not the doctrines of uh, the preachers or not the, the doctrines of sermons and, and even the, the, the general ideas that we've embraced as Christians now and we've claimed them as Bible. But what people cannot get around is the unadulterated um, uh, presentation of God's word that you bring. And there is not much that can be said when you're looking at the scripture yourself and you cannot refute that. So I think that it is, uh, it is so strategic of God to have you as a voice in this hour that will give his word the way it is and really force it down our throats because that's about what we need at this point, his word to be forced down our throats that we might wake up and come out of this stupor that we're in um, and this Christianity that we have kind of crafted that it, it, it is not, uh, it's not reflective of who he is. So I, I think that we need that. And this was eye-opening today. Well, I have to agree with you. And I'll tell you something that's so interesting about um, where we are today is that God's word and his thoughts, because God speaks over and over again, but this never entered my mind. There, he, you know, people don't even know he said that, actually. But he says over and over again. But I never even thought. That wasn't even what I was thinking. Like, I, we, I don't even think like that. You know, God says things like that. Yeah, we, I mean, you know, I, I like um, the 50th Psalm was the first time he let me know. He said, but, you, uh, you know, I never thought about that. He said, but you thought I was all together like you. Are you kidding? We're different. How about this? He said, are you kidding? I don't even think like that. And so, we get so caught. That's why you have to lift, lift your, your, your scripture out of context so that you can create a new context or set it in a cultural context because God's thoughts are very clear. He said, y'all did stuff worse than the, worse than the folks that hate y'all, y'all actually cut up worse than the people that actually hate me. And so I am God, you know, I love, and I deal with the man, Christ Jesus, the person, because when you are employed, you work for a person. You realize that you, your company exists for a person. So I work for the person, and this is his manual. I'm having a great time, but I do know that we want to get some calls in. I, I want, you know, I feel like you need to hear from the other side of the story, especially when you read that kind of crazy um, antichrist ilk, because a lot of Christians are antichrist. And so that kind of antichrist ilk is on Facebook. You know, we need, somebody needs to write a book about the the antichrist Christian. Because these people are anti-Christ. Like you said, I never even thought about that. None of the things that I'm saying, are you kidding? That's your your preacher. I remember one time, I say this and we'll go to calls actually. But one time I remember I had picked up a slogan. It was so nice. I don't even remember what it was. It was such a nice slogan. So I just, I, I mean, I unfolded it. And you know, with my mind, I went there. And I said, Where'd you get that? Uh, you know, of course, like, Adam, where are you? Sure, you know where you I said, um, well, God, I got it from so-and-so because he said, do you know what that really means? Said, no, no, but it sounds great. And he said, the word more is it my thoughts. I said, oh, okay. And, I mean, completely, completely ended it. And I think that that's where we are today. We need to know when something is not God's thought 
Because whatever is not his thoughts will never be his word. We are done. Tell them where to go from now. All right. You can go to it several times. Yes. Blog Talk Radio. You can log in online, www.blogtalkradio.com, backslash Paula Price Show. And you can also call in, and that phone number has been going up, 319-527-6218. And press that one. You want to talk to Dr. Price. Other than that, we will see you tonight. I cannot wait. <laughs> About errands and true prophecy. Hey. Prophet Adair, you're on. All right. Just going to give you guys a few announcements so that we can transition and Dr. Price can say goodbye to her Periscope uh, crew. Um, and then we'll be taking your questions right now in this second hour. You can press number one to speak with Dr. Price. 319-527-6218 is that telephone number. 319-527-6218. If you're just joining us on Blog Talk Radio, we want to welcome you to the Paula Price Show. We're here every Thursday, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Central Standard Time for the Paula Price Show on Blog Talk Radio. That address online is blogtalkradio.com slash Paula Price Show, blogtalkradio.com slash Paula Price Show. You can visit us there to also tune into the show if you're not able to stay on the phone line but you would like to hear the broadcast. You can also go to blogtalkradio.com slash Paula Price Show to hear a replay of today's broadcast in its entirety. We encourage you to do that. And when you're online at blogtalkradio.com slash Paula Price Show, make sure you click the RSS feed button so that you can always be updated when there is a new show that's about to broadcast. If you are an iTunes user, you can download the Paula Price Show to your podcast app. There's a podcast app in the iTunes store. We encourage you, download your podcast app and then subscribe to the Paula Price Show. That way you'll always have your episodes wherever you are at, at your convenience. You can listen to them on your mobile device or your tablet. So, again, subscribe to us on the Paula Price Show at the podcast app on iTunes. Don't miss out on that. If you'd like to talk to Dr. Price, send her a message or connect with her online, we encourage you to friend her on Facebook, facebook.com slash Dr. Paula Price. You'll get her videos there. Whenever she goes Facebook Live, you'll be able to know that she's about to go on, and you can stay tuned to everything that is Dr. Paula Price. First-time listeners, we want to thank you so much for tuning in. You tuned in on the right day. Keep us, save us to your favorites. We're here every Thursday at 11 o'clock a.m. You can also catch Dr. Price on Twitter, twitter.com slash Dr. Paula Price, and her handle there on Twitter is at Dr. Paula Price. Really easy to remember. If you'd like to send us a message or a testimony We'd love to hear from you. Visit us online at drpaulaprice.com. You can submit a testimony. You can join the mailing list. And you can also stay tuned with, with Dr. Price's webinars. Every Monday night, she's been releasing a new webinar. So we encourage you, get in touch with the webinars. Uh, check her out. The featured webinars are there. You can also get in touch with her training site. There's a, a tab on her website that says Train Me. If you click on that tab, you'll be able to see previous webinars as well as some information about webinars that are upcoming. She just finished with part of marriage and the marriage and dating controversy, decoding that controversy, uh, we encourage you to get online, uh, drpaulaaprice.com. You'll get information on how you can get in touch with those webinars and be also be able to see her whole webinar library. We will very soon have information about our upcoming events. Uh, our next major event is our Women's Restoration that will be coming up 
in April, our Prophets Forum that will happen in June, and then in November, our Apostolic, uh, our Apostleship Summit, if you will, is happening in November. So stay tuned to drpaulaprice.com for all of the news on our upcoming events. We'll very soon have some registration information available for you online at drpaulaprice.com. So make sure you start saving those dates. April, June, and November, come to Tulsa and be with us here. I'm going to pass it back to Prophet Ashley so that we can go ahead and get to your calls. Again, you need to press that number one if you'd like to speak to Dr. Bright. All right. Thank you, Prophet Adia. We'll be right back after these messages. Dr. Paula Price invented an online assessment series that took Bible ministers' core attributes and requirements and created insightful questions that tells you how God created you to serve His kingdom. The Minister's Assessment Questionnaire determines your dominant gifts and faculties, the temperaments that best fit them, character assets, competence level and reliability, mastery, accuracy, and more. The Prophetic Aptitude Questionnaire is tailor-made to identify your mantle, sphere, emphasis, classification, communication style, delivery maturity, readiness, and more. Don't wait. Take your assessment right after today's show at www.ppmglobalresources.com. If you are a leader wanting to assess your team, visit the site to schedule a demonstration or call 877-419-1299 and ask for Chief Prophet Tala Price to discuss our group options. Dr. Paula A. Price does it again with Before the Garden, God's Eternal Continuum. In her customary exhaustive style, she breaks the seal on yet another striking dimension of Christian faith and truth. Before the Garden, God's Eternal Continuum is aptly dubbed the history of eternity as revealed in scriptures because it captures and tells the story of eternity from its founder's perspective. Order your copy today and give us your feedback. Tell us how Before the Garden revolutionized your walk with Christ at www.beforethegarden.com. Do you have an upcoming conference or want to order a supply for your bookstore? Now is the perfect time to order copies for your network, mentees, or friends. Just pick up the phone and dial 877-419-1299, extension 1001, and ask for Adia Peterson to get bulk discount orders and place your order today. Are you a prophet or apostle? Is your desire to help God's ministers come into their true identity and calling? Would you like to make a supplemental income while still doing what you love most, serving God as his kingdom agent? Now PPM Global Resources offers an exciting employment opportunity for apostles and prophets. We want to employ you to do what God made you to do for him. We work in the industry of ministry and want to bring the industry to your ministry. Imagine getting paid a regular income for doing what you already do. Think about doing more than prophesying or waiting for your next preaching opportunity to fulfill your calling. Now, PPM Global has created gainful employment positions for your mantle, just like pastors and teachers have enjoyed for ages. Sign up as an affiliate agent or independent sales consultant, and you'll be able to share PPM Global's unique ministry model with your associates and colleagues and share the revenue PPM Global gains from your initiative. Or join PPM Global's team of advisors, coaches, and mentors and take part in shaping the next generation of five-fold ministers for Jesus Christ. Wherever you fit, 
you'll enjoy the benefits of collaborating with PPM Global, including a means of increasing your contacts and income without increasing your workload, the opportunity to be a gainfully employed, bona fide apostle or prophet, the privilege of shifting the church back to apostolic and prophetic leadership, and the honor of placing God's people in their right purpose and destiny. Apply today, get trained, change lives, and earn more. PPM Global Resources. Explore the possibilities. Okay, Dr. Price, we are back for the next hour, or the remaining of the hour of the Paula Price Show. Are you ready for your callers today? I am excited and enthusiastic. I need them, and I want them to tell me a little bit about what they thought about the exhortation it does. So come on, Ashley, let's go. Okay, first in line is Jasmine from California, and Jasmine is calling for prayer, but hey, Jasmine, tell us what you thought about the first portion of today's show. Hi, good morning, or good afternoon, I should say. (laughs) How are you, Jasmine? Can you all hear me? I'm doing good, good. I just want to thank you for the word this morning. It was very um, insightful to me, and I know I definitely will pass that information along to my friends and family, Uh, so thank you for that. It was was very important and and timely as well. Thank you for your feedback. Okay, so tell me, what is what can I do for you? Uh, yes, ma'am. So I wanted, um, I guess, maybe a, some, some advice or suggestions. Um, so I've been praying about um, I'll be graduating soon, maybe within like a year. And so right now I'm looking for maybe some job prospects and things like that. Um, but I do have a business idea that I'm looking to also get into. And over the past month I've had the... Um, uh, kind of like a, a burning sensation or my mind was really uh, consumed about this business idea. And I've been praying and asking God, you know, would he want me to pursue that route or just, you know, after graduation go ahead and, you know, apply for a job in industry, for example. And um, so I've been, you know, just kind of praying about that. But I wanted to know, you know, what signs I should be looking for while I'm praying about this or, um, you know, how will I know God is directing me to one way or the other. Well, you know, Jasmine, I, I think, first of all, that is a very insightful way to pose your question. Often we ask God things in a way that he can't answer because we can't receive the answer that he has for us. So I thank you for that, um, the way you articulated it. So let me just say this to you. Immediately I would say if you haven't been working on getting money and writing your business plan and gathering funders and all of that and even um, – testing the success of your business idea leading up to graduation you're a little bit late because that's okay. what should have happened. Okay. Um, so if you haven't done that, then you don't have anything to stand on. If you're starting at ground zero, then you are going to have to get a job. Okay. Take care okay. of yourself unless you have someone else who's going to finance your livelihood. So what you want to do now is begin all of that kind of work that would have been good and would have been advantageous for you had you had you been advised to do it while you were getting your education, because then you'd be stepping out into something. Okay. Yeah, okay. so I'm not graduating until next year, so I, I still have like a year of, of time to possibly get this thing going if I wanted to pursue that route. Um, but the reason so, I ask that, I don't want to get into it and, you know, that not being what I should be getting into and then my attention should be on, you know, well, the bottom line, and, here's, and I hear you, but I'll tell you right now, Jasmine, one thing that people who are graduating school 
who have gone full-time have got to adapt to that life is not linear. There is no singular focus yourself on this or that. Part of the reasons why uh, people who get families don't intend to do don't tend to be able to spread themselves because they put all of their attention in school. Your you know, your job when you get into the world is you're gonna to have to have a job, you're going to have to make money, you're going to have mm-hmm. to address home Those things are there. Your attentions will be divided. The your effort is to make sure that they're not scattered. And there is a difference. So I want to go back to what you just said. The reason I mentioned that is because when you get out of, and you still have to do that, you're going to have to have, still be faced with the attention of trying to find a job, trying to get, mm-hmm. get the right job, trying to pay for yourself, and still work on this business thing. Right now, this next year is your ideal opportunity because when you have a business, you are divided. You still have to think about paying the business, finding the staff, doing the, mm-hmm. getting the customer getting the product. So it's not, I mean, you're, you're only, what right now, you're actually training, you're putting yourself through your own practicum, your own apprenticeship, because you're training now for how to ta- handle more than one thing in business. Let me say this, because mm-hmm. I think this is very important for you and my listeners. Business is not your idea. That's only a small part of business. Business is making your idea profitable enough to sustain your, your, your life while you meet the needs of other people and create a product, a product mm-hmm. and a profit. So many people go into business because of the product and they forget the profit. But your product will die in your closet if you don't come up with ways of making it profitable. Mm-hmm. That's true. So, so you're in school, you've got a year. So now what you want to do, thank God for this call, you want to start acting like you're in business already. Okay. You don't want to look forward to, okay, well, you know what, I still got to get an A. If you can't get an A in your class and do business, then you can't get an A in all of the elements of your business that you dream. Okay. Because you're going to have to get an A in marketing in, when you have your business, an A in pro- promotion, an A in product development, an A in customer uh, account, an A in customer service, and all of that. You need to get an A in all of that because all of those strings and strands go to making a business successful. Mm-hmm. So here – you know, so right now, you have to find out how to get an A in your classes and then be ready to step into a, 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 at least a viable business, if not thriving, a viable business when you graduate. Mm-hmm. Got it. Got it. Okay. And as isn't I continue to – I'm sorry? I said, isn't that powerful? Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. That spoke to me a lot. Now, as I continue to pray about this, or what should I be asking God, you know, while I'm praying about this, um, um, I guess, venture that I'm getting into? Well, the first thing you want to do is get some some counsel from those who are already doing it or from the experts in the field that you are uh, pursuing. That's the first thing you okay. want to do is you want to get counsel. Second thing is you want to get help with your business plan. Then you want to start looking at some funding. You want to start looking at uh, how to how to uh, some research and development, how to develop your product, how to make it marketable, and all of those kinds of things. You need to act as if school is incidental right now. Okay. Which means you need to get that, you need to get your degree, but ultimately you have to make, if you're planning on doing a business when you get out, then waiting till you get out is too late. You need to graduate with your mm. business if, if it's just virtual running. Yes, ma'am. Makes sense. 
right. And then it doesn't have to be hard. So, you know, even people who are in school, and I say this to everybody who is listening today on the show, if you're in school and you want to be your own boss, you cannot wait to get out of school to plan to be your own boss. You need to be your own boss in school, which means Mm -hmm. because business Business is going to take long hours. In the beginning, you're going to work 16, 18, 20-hour days. Here's where you groom yourself and condition yourself for that. You're going to have to work Mm -hmm. late hours. You're going to have to do all of the tasks that have to be involved. So you need to learn them while you're still protected. I always say testing and training should allow you to live the real experience in a very controlled or manageable environment. That is my method, and I still believe it. Okay. I like that. So that um, so that feeling, yes, ma'am. That feeling that I had, or it was like a, a burning feeling. Um, how how did I know that was an anxiousness, or was that actually, you know, maybe you know the Holy Spirit moving me to actually go with this idea, or how can you tell? Okay, well, that's a very good question. I have had both. When something is anxiety, it tends to give you jitteriness, but it also tends to to thrive off of your uncertainty. When it is God, you may have a a similar situation. I love this question. You may have a similar situation, but it keeps fueling certainty. As a matter of fact, when it's God, the certainty is so overwhelming that you're stunned at how sure you are. Hmm. So this overwhelming belief that it's actually possible. Yes, you can't help it. And so, and I've had that. I, I mean, seriously, I'm so glad, Jasmine, you brought it up. I, I've had to learn the difference between the two. There is a, there is that burning sensation that, or that, that you can get from anxiety, you know, where you've you got the mm-hmm. palpitations, you've got all of that. That's panic. And panic has a distinct feeling, but it always drives off fear and uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Now, when That's you have good. the whole moving on you, you can't believe how, I mean, and, 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 and it's not even like that. Your head might even be crazy, but there's a solidarity in the soul that says, yeah, I understand, but something about this is different. Mm-hmm. Something about this is going to turn out differently, even though your head and your heart may want to may be programmed. Because sometimes our, our, our minds and our hearts are programmed to fear and programmed to anxiety or programmed to hesitancy. But but when it's God, He's bigger than all of that, and His sensations take over all of that, and and they literally clamp it. Okay. Okay. Does that help? Yes, ma'am, it does. It does. So I, I think I have um, a better idea of how I should go about this now. So I, I definitely know I have a better idea. So this is very helpful. Thank you. I appreciate this. You're very welcome. And I'll say this to you, Jasmine. Yes, I could say, yeah, thus serve God. But you know what? You don't think like that. So there are times that prophets and uh, prophesiers have to know how the how the recipient will hear and receive and process information from God because people don't all, mm-hmm. always hear it the same way. You are a thinker. You're an analyst. So you're a thinker. So when I minister to you, I after talking to you for a few moments, I realized that a flat-out thus says God is not going to help you because you have to have the process. You're a procedure woman. You've got to mm-hmm. know the steps. Yep, so you absolutely. Need, you do. You need prophecy plus wisdom. Or prophecy plus how to, and so mm-hmm. you now understand how to. So yes. we're gonna pray. Yes. Can we pray now. Yes, ma'am. All right. 
God, I thank you for Jasmine. First of all, Lord, I thank you for just causing her to stand with you and seek your way and and be committed to how you do things. I thank you for her being as analytical as she is and still, still susceptible to your wisdom, your counsel, and your instruction. Many people don't know how challenging that is for people like her, but she has already mastered the ability to, to negotiate both, to navigate both worlds. So I thank you for that. Now I'm asking that you would put into her sphere and put in her pathway the counselors, the advisors, and the mentor she needs to start setting up this business of hers. I'm asking you to strengthen her. I'm asking you to enlarge her spirit, enlarge her soul, enlarge her being so that she can now begin to take on the broader things that you have for her to do and that she will begin to understand how to manage and and, and prioritize what will cause your idea to succeed. God, often we get an idea from you and we forget that you are a scientist us something to succeed for your glory and for your future use. So let her understand this and walk her through the steps, Father, as you provide her resources as she comes up on them in the name of Jesus. And we give them all the praise for that. Amen and amen. 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 Thank you, Dr. Price. I'm so grateful for you. <laughs> you too. God bless you. And I wish you the best. Congratulations right. on your success. Because I know it's Yes, there. ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Once we get to a point of success, I'll give you a praise report. Have a blessed one. (laughs) You too. Bye-bye. Prophet Ashley. All right. That was good. Okay. We have next on the line Lynn, excuse me, Lynn from Maryland. And Lynn is calling in today because she needs some help and direction. Lynn, welcome to the Paul Price Show. Hi. God bless you, Dr. Price. God bless you, Prophet Ashley. How are you, Lynn? How are you doing? I'm doing well, you. Good. Going on. Let's talk. Okay. Um, Prophet Ashley, I was um, calling for prayer for help, for healing and um, Uh direction. I need direction from God. I'm really struggling to hear from God right now, and I need direction um, for my life and for my family. Okay, so Lynn, did we talk earlier about your health? No. Okay, we've never talked. Because I feel like I gave you counsel. Maybe that's what I have in my spirit for you. No, ma'am, I haven't spoke to you before. Isn't this great, though? This is good because you realize yes, that God is. <laughs> it's a blessing. So I, I'm so excited. It is. Okay, so Lynn, let me ask you I want to talk to you a little bit about your family. Just talk me quickly because I want to make sure I can give you all your attention. Um, talk to me. What is the what is the makeup of your family? You have how many children? Are you married or what? Give me quickly a quick rundown of your family. Are you there, Lynn? Can you hear me? Yes. No. Again. Can you give hear me? Quick rundown. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can now. Okay. I, okay. I am married. I have a 12-month-old daughter and a 5-year-old son, and um, we just moved to a new location, and it's it's just been different. I haven't really had the time that I need to spend in the presence of the Lord because it just seems everything's going so fast, Okay. and I feel um, kind of overwhelmed. How long have you been married? It'll be 10 years in September. So you waited a little bit to have a have your first child. Isn't that great? 
Well, it, yeah, it kind of happened that way, yeah. Yeah, I know. You don't have to tell me. Yeah. I, I kind of okay. So we're just going to go on with that. How's that? So let me okay. say this to you. Um, so your health, what is it that's bothering you other than fatigue? Because what I'm seeing right now is you're struggling with major fatigue and that you have some sort of mental disorientation thing. You focus is an issue for you right now. So what else is going on? Um, I I want to pray for my immune system. Your what? My Your immune, immune system. system. Mhm. Yes. All right. Now, are you are you under medical care for this? Oh yes, I am. I'm not on any medications currently, but I I am seeing a doctor. Okay. Not on medication because the doctors didn't prescribe any. Well, it's expensive. Okay, so. It's expensive, and you don't have insurance. Clearly, I have insurance, but the insurance—it's—it's way the insurance doesn't cover it. Okay, here's why I'm saying this: because what you have is treatable, and the reason I asked you is because it's treatable, and it's treatable with two particular treatment paths. Number one, it is treatable through medication. Number two, something about how you. I don't know if it was dieting or whether it was an exercise program or whether it was just simply a, uh, overwork, something about how you carried your daughter and what you did in your body while you were carrying your daughter drained you considerably. And so, but both are treatable. So that's the first thing. And if you, you can try the medical, uh, the, the medical path, but there's also, uh, obviously, you know, the nature path. You can do that. I am a proponent of that. I know a lot of people think that, you know, a lot of Christians think, well, it's all the devil, but you know the devil had to get his education somewhere. So I'm going to trust Jesus. So I'm going to pray for that. But I want you to recognize, too, your health is important. And if, it's, if you're not affordable, my question to you is if you had to do fine money to get that medication for your 12-month-old child, would you get it? Yes. Yes. And how would you do that? Research. Uh, research. And so have you done that for yourself? No, ma'am, I have not. Okay. What I'm saying this is because, let, let me tell you, my, you are so in my spirit right now. So what I'm about to say has to do with God opening up a connection between us. You have spent your whole life being the martyr and the sacrificer. You have had to take care of people. You've had to, whatever way you were raised, it was always a you on hold. You had to put everything on hold for however you were raised. And I don't know why that was the case. And if we were in a counseling setting, I would say it. But that has carried over into this motherhood thing. Somehow or another, your, the script on your life, as far as you're concerned, is that you are insignificant. You are not yeah. the one, okay? You have a real insignificant script. Like this thing goes into action. When you get sick, you won't take care of yourself. When you hurt yourself, you will not treat your wounds. You know, you just won't do it because in your mind, you are the least significant person in any equation. Now, I don't know how, much, how this feeds into your marriage, but it's certainly feeding into your body right now. So I want to tell you this reality. You are, your kids are important, and so is your son, but the bottom line is you are the carer. You're the one that's going to take care of this family. 
and you have got to get back on your feet. And what this is, this is not about money for you. I promise you, you think it is because it, it's the logical uh, reason you've given yourself for not going forward or for reinforcing your sense of insignificance. You have got to find your medication, and but more importantly, you've got to break this thing that says you must suffer. Wow. That's so true. Yeah, and it goes back all the way back for you. You are the one, and I don't care what happens. I don't care who did it. You're the person who's going to say, I'm sorry 15 times. You know, you are that lady. And so what you have to do is realize that your children are not more important than you are because when, if anything happens to you, they will not be that important to anyone else. You are the only person who will think of them the way they are because they're your children. And if you don't keep yourself on your feet, I'm telling you, because you so despise yourself, you're going to court a disease and you're not going to take care of yourself. You're going to think it's your due. And that is a concern for me. I know you don't, but you don't know how to get through. So my suggestion to you is when this call is over, I need you to call or to go to my website, drpaulaaprice.com, and I need you to sign up for a life advisement. You need a prophetic advisement, and you need a life advisement. And then when you get on a program, I need you on a program. And the reason I need you on a program is because you didn't get this way overnight, and you're not going to get delivered overnight. You may get a lot of information, but, baby, whoever programmed you like this, you are, they have your mind, and we've got to chip away at this mentality that you have that you are worth nothing. Because I'm telling you right now, this is a self-destruct thing that you're on simply because you always, always, always think that if you're well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how you eat. It doesn't matter if you eat. It doesn't matter because it just doesn't matter. And so we wow. need to get you once you get ready, once you get on a program, we have intercessors who are going to pray with you every week as part of your program to break you free. Now, it's part of the whole program, but you must be on it because if not, you are not going to live out your life because this spirit on you, I can cast the spirit off, but your belief system is going to draw it back because, see, belief systems are magnets. That's so true. Hallelujah. So, we're, so I told you I thought I already gave you this time. Now I'm excited. <laughs> wow. yeah, I jumped right on that thing. But I want you to know I need now, when we your first assignment is to set up a prophetic advisement. Go to my website, drpaulaaprice.com. You are not going, you're going to be on a prophetic advisement, and then we're going to move you into life advisement, and you're going to get an advisor that's going to coach you and talk to you and pray you through this. You actually are a woman who needs to have literal self-perspective retraining. We have a program called Recoding Your Soul. You are one woman who needs it. So I want you to do that, and then when you get on the program, and it is a program, and Lynn is not free. We don't do free because I found out what people don't invest in, people don't protect and pursue. So we're going, it's not free, but it's worth it because this is a life saving for you. And then after you do that and you get on a program, and then the next thing I need you to do, the same day, today, I need you to get online and find that medicine. And don't go to some crazy online pharmacy kind of thing. We don't know what they're going to give you. I need you to find the money for your medication, and I need you to take it. Amen. Amen. I will. I'm going to go on, on the website and just win the phone call. So let me phone call. 
Okay, so we're going to pray because you, I mean, God wants you to live and not die. And while this that you're facing is not life-threatening, the habits that you are creating are staging a spirit to take you out. And that's what I want to stop. Father God, I give you praise, I give you glory, and I honor you, Jesus Christ. Honor you as the Lord of glory, the God of all creation. And, Lord, we thank you for Lynn, and we thank you, Lord, for picking up her cause today. We thank you for directing her footsteps and even getting her through today that we could save her life and her health going into the future. Now, Lord, I thank you for covering her. I begin to do the work, the external work, by dislodging the devils that are maneuvering and manipulating her self-destruction. And, God, I thank you that you that right now you put a hedge of protection around her and as I cast them out, you seal her as you walk her in through the path of healing and deliverance and liberty hey, in Jesus' name. And we bless you for it. Now, God, I call the finances in for her medication, and I thank you for doing it naturally in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen. Thank you, Christ. You're very you, welcome. I want to hear from you in a little bit and know you're doing well. Thank you so much. I will. I'm going to go on the site once the call is over. All right. God bless you. Talk to you soon. God bless you as well. All righty. Prophet Ashley. All right, Dr. Price. We have next on the line Kareem from Maryland. And Kareem is calling for prayer and a prophetic word from you, whatever the Lord has to say. Kareem, welcome to the Paul Price Show. God bless you. How are y'all? We are fine. How are you, Kareem? Praise God. You know, uh, life is good. Jesus is Lord. Amen. Jesus is Lord. Life is good, and you're not. You're out of destiny. Now, why is that? You say I'm out of destiny. Yes, you are. I don't know how old did you do. What was your 17th year of life? Talk to me about that. My 17th My year of life. Yes. What happened to you? Seventeen, seventeen. Uh, I what was it? I got a I got licensed in ministry at seventeen. You got licensed in ministry at seventeen. And what are you doing now? I'm pastoring the church. Right, but were you licensed to pastor? Uh, no, because the 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 ministry that I was in is a Baptist ministry, and then. Mm-hmm. I started to study up on, you know, the Holy Ghost and things like that. And so what happened was uh, the Lord led me to begin a ministry. I didn't know I was beginning a ministry. I started out, it started as a Bible study. And then the Lord spoke to me two weeks later. And um, what happened was that the Bible study outgrew his ministry. And he got mad and told me I had to leave the church. So I was kind of forced into getting into pastoral pastorship. Okay, so Kareem, let me ask you this. He told you you had to leave the church because Because what? Because what? He told you that I'm going to switch the speaker. Is that all right? Hold on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so he told you you had to leave the Bible study because you had to leave the church because the Bible study was too big. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, so what happened was, you know, I started a Bible study because I was winning a lot of people to Christ, you know, when I would go evangelize. And um, I did everything with his consent. You know, I honored him as, as my as my pastor. And, you know, every once in a while I would give him an update on what was going on. 
And so when the church, when the Bible study outgrew the church, then he told me, he said, you need to uh, go and start your own work. And I told him, I said, well, uh, God hasn't called me to be a pastor. That's what I told him at, at that time. I said, um, I have not felt that the Lord has told me to leave your church. And, and I told him, I said, you know, I'm not trying to dishonor you in any way. And what he said to me, he said, uh, God would not tell you to disobey your pastor. And he, he knew because there were some other prophetic words I had given him, uh, you know, from time to time, and they come to pass. So he knew that the Lord, uh, you know, I had a relationship with the Lord that the Lord spoke to me. He knew that. But he had an issue with, with the Bible study. So what happened with me was, um, you know, I, I started the ministry. Uh, like I said, it started as a Bible study, then it became a ministry. And then uh, years later is when I got into pastoral shit. So how long have you been pastoring? Probably about six years. Okay, sounds great. So you've been pastoring six years. Has your pastor been a part of that at all or are you just, are you now independent and non denom Yeah, I I'm independent. Uh I, I still honor him so I go visit him and, and speak to him, you know, uh because he, he opened the door for me. But uh, as far as like any type of ministerial connection, uh that's not there. Okay. So then let's move our subject our top, our discussion over to the church. How is the church doing, Kareem? Right now, the church is doing really, really well. The okay. Holy Ghost has been moving in a powerful way. Um, so I, I'm, I'm pretty excited about what the Lord is doing. Then what, what do you want prayer for? Uh, I, I don't know. Just uh, um, and Well, number one, um, there's, I've been praying for quite some time, you know, uh, regarding a wife um, okay. because, you know, uh, it's not good that man should be alone. And I really want to serve the Lord in the fullness and the capacity of what he has for me. Um, but, you know, I've been in ministry by myself all these years and it's, it's hard, you know? And so, uh, I, I would like the Lord to, to, uh, bless me in that area. Uh, you know, some time ago I was kind of restless about it. And then I, I really, start to take comfort in the fact that, you know, God is sovereign. And I really believe that, you know, um, if I'm not married at this stage in my life, that is maybe because it's not supposed to be at this time or I don't, I don't know, but I've just been trusting in the Lord. So I'm not as restless as I was before. I, I just have faith that, you know, uh, his kingdom is first and whatever he finds uh, as his priority to do in my life and in the ministry, I just accept that. So have you, uh, now in your ministry, have you not had any woman that has come to you in your ministry? Now, I'm going to answer this because I do have an answer for you, but have you had a steady woman that comes to you in your ministry at all? I mean, and, and I'll tell you why I'm, I'm asking, because I kind of just see that somebody passed through your life that shouldn't have passed through. Um, I mean, I, I've had, you know, women try to talk to me or whatnot, you know, um, and, and then there's, there's a, a young lady who I met five years ago, uh, we were engaged. Uh, some things happened, then you know, called out the engagement. And even with that, like that was kind of a frustrating thing because um, women that I had gotten to know in the past, God would always give me an answer. He would always speak to me, whether audibly in a dream or or just you know uh, an impression upon my heart or a lack of peace thereof. And um, 
with with the the last particular young lady that I was uh, with, uh, he never spoke to me. He never gave me an answer. And what happened was, I had different people giving me, you know, supposed prophetic words, but the words were contrary. And I really feel that I had jumped the gun because, you know, when I met her, uh, I had, you know, gotten these prophetic words right before I met her, and then I met her, and then, you know, I kind of moved a little too fast, and I, I proposed to her. Uh, within the first month of us meeting, and then you know some things happened down the road, and so it kind of threw everything off. And so, I mean, I partly kind of feel like, <laughs> you know, uh, part of the reason I'm in the situation that I'm in is because I just didn't do things God's way, and I've kind of accepted that. Um, but now it's like, okay, well, what what happens next? You know, and, and just in general, um, I feel like I'm I'm really beginning to come into a realization of who I am in the body of Christ, who I am in God's kingdom. Um, because, you know, uh, for a long time, I didn't even want to be a pastor. So that was, that was something that I really, really fought uh, uh, hard against. I was like, no, you know, I want to be an evangelist. And, and, and then I had a dream, and that, that changed some things for me. But last year was when the Lord really began to open up the apostolic to me, and I really began to um, – really find, like, what I'm created to do. Okay. Well, let me jump in. First of all, I don't know anybody who has a stronger spirit for God as you have, um, or more than you have. You have a very powerful spirit for God, and you do have an amazing destiny. You are a son of special proportions. I don't have a lot of time because we're running out, and I'm really upset about that because I really want to walk with you through this. So what I'm going to uh, suggest to you is that you do – what I said to the other woman, I would suggest that you um, call in, and I want you to talk to, um, when you call in for your prophetic advisement, I want you to sign up for uh, Chief Prophet Tala, because she is going to have the answers for you, and you need the time. You want to sign up for at least a 30-minute contact so that you can, um, so that you can get uh, the full attention. I think you're going to need more than that, but I don't think you'll need more than one uh, one call at the least 60 minutes, but you need that because that situation with that woman is big in God's mind. And I'm sorry I can't get through and get into it with you here because that is a big deal for God. And it seems like a whole lot of crazy came up in there that was that that just were that shipwrecked the whole thing. So if you don't mm-hmm. mind, can I just give you that kind of counsel? Because somehow or another, that woman shouldn't have passed through your life. And I don't know anything about what God will do from here because I don't have that time to, to get to it. But please promise me you'll get that advisement. Promise me. It's called you see, it's called a prophetic advisement. Yes, if you go to my website, drpaulaprice.com, it's gonna it's gonna say sign up for an advisement or something like that. You go there. I want you to get it because I'm telling you what you feel in your spirit is very accurate. But you need somebody to help you articulate it. Okay. Uh, is it drpaulaprice.com? drpaulaprice.com. Okay. Um, All right, and, and they're going to pray with you because you really are at the right place. And if you want to, after you do your advice, and if you get on the call first next week, I will take your call and we'll walk through this some more. Okay, absolutely. Okay. That's how much I believe in what you're doing. We will go through this, and we will walk through it some more. Fair enough? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. 
All right. Father, thank you for Kareem. Thank you for his life. Thank you for his, his faithfulness, his determination, and even the richness of, of, of uh, providences that's on his life. He's, he's in it. And I thank you for it, God. I'm asking that as he gets into his advisement, he can get some of the answers he needs, he can break the seal on some things, and we can go forward in his purpose and destiny. And we bless you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. And, Lord, get him on first next week so I can talk with him, and we can wrap this thing up for this man because it is his season and it is his time. Thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen. Thank you so much. <laughs> I appreciate it. It means a lot to me. I don't have a lot of people that can speak into my life, so thank you. It means a lot to me, too. I cannot wait for us to talk again, so have a great week until then, all righty? Amen. God bless you. God bless you, too. Well, Prophet Ashley, I've come to the end of the line. Ten seconds. Ten I seconds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Hey, join me tonight. Join me tonight. And prophetic error, we're going to trace the, the origin and the path of prophetic error, okay? You'll want to be there, and make sure you have all your students on and all your friends on and your leaders and your members so that we can all get this together. In Jesus' name, until tonight, have a great afternoon. Hi, this is Dr. Paula Price thanking you for joining me on this week's show. I want to remind you, that the counsel and wisdom, the prayer and prophecy that you enjoy today does not have to end with today's program. You can go to blogtalkradio.com backslash Paula Price Show and join tens of thousands of people who re-listen to my program every week. Again, blogtalkradio.com backslash Paula Price Show and you can relive the experience every single day. God bless you.